Good morning. I'm sitting down with Matt Buthis right now from uh, Evanston Township High School. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good morning, Don. Happy Thanks. to be here. Yeah, happy to be here. Sunday morning, beautiful Evanston, Illinois, 9 a.m. on a <laughs> December Sunday there. So yep. this is what we do. Um, so... Again, thanks for being out here. Let's uh, let's just begin right away. You're not an Illinois guy, are you? No, uh, originally from New Jersey, actually. And tell me about that. Tell me about I don't know, growing up in New Jersey, musical life, and um, you know how you ended up here today in Evanston. Yeah, sure. Um, so I I, gr- I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey is the Garden State. And uh, everyone I tell that to is like, I, I, I've been to New Jersey. I just see the parkway and, you know, the turnpike. And uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But actually, uh, the gardens are in my hometown of okay. Ringwood. So it's a very pretty place. Uh, grew up in a, you know, wooded area, Ramapo Mountains, um, lots of lakes in our town. Uh, so swim- swimming was a big thing for me uh, uh, growing up. And, uh, you know, I started music the, I think, the pretty typical public school way, fifth grade band, uh, started on saxophone and uh, switched to tenor in middle school because all the, all the good kids were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, when I got to high school, uh, I, I stayed on tenor my freshman year and then I switched to euphonium my sophomore year because there was a cute girl in the euphonium section. <laughs> And uh, I ended up uh, getting pretty good at it and, um, you know, made the regional honor bands and things like this and then uh, started looking at colleges. And um, I ended up uh, going to Ithaca College, uh, which coincidentally was Steve and Beth Peterson's first year. Um, 1998 was, was my freshman year. Uh, so I did four years uh, at Ithaca while uh, also swimming on the, on the Division three swim team. Um, sophomore and junior year, and I, I did a little bit more uh, my senior year, but then when I started student teaching, I realized I couldn't do the 5 a.m. practice thing and then make it out to my student teaching placement, and uh, so I, I bailed after about a week of that. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was a good decision and uh, had a great student teaching experience. Um, and then uh, I really wanted to teach high school, and um, uh, I had some offers to teach elementary school and middle school and in different places close to where I grew up. I uh, even had an offer in, in Texas to teach middle school, but I was super passionate about teaching high school. And my, my high school offer was in Maryland um, at, a, at a school called Great Mills High School. And so I moved to Maryland with no ties to Maryland. Uh, and uh, taught there for four years, and it was um, that was a, a, a really challenging uh, but re- rewarding uh, ultimately run. Um, it was a rural area, uh, but um, had a, a significant history early on uh, for a couple of reasons. The school itself was one of the last to desegregate, okay, uh, and there was uh, a. Um, you know, there, there were challenges around that still in the early 2000s when I was teaching there. 
Um, but musically speaking, uh, there was actually a significant, maybe 10, 12 year chapter of uh, really fine playing and an, and an excellent band program. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Larry Brown uh, taught there. At the same time, uh, a few miles down the road, St. Mary's College, uh, a small private school, uh, was really happening and doing kind of a summer program, uh, I would equate to not at the same level, but but so people get the idea, like a Blue Lake or an Interlochen. And so a lot of the kids were going there. Um, and so the band program got really good and, um, there, you know, Aaron Copeland was at the school at one point, Vincent Persichetti, Norman Della Gioio, um, a young Erica Wazen, uh, uh, w- was involved, uh, Alec Wilder, um, you know, some great names in, in the sixties, uh, were, were at that school working with the kids and, uh, so obviously the program really benefited and I have some old cassette tapes in the gymnasium of, you know, the Persichetti Symphony and some really great kind of old, you know, recordings. So um, it was it was cool to uncover that. Um, and uh, uh, so we were able to kind of have a little bit of a renaissance in, in the early 2000s and rebuild and um, have Erica Wazen out and do... Uh, his concerto for marimba and and wind ensemble um, with uh, uh, Bob Snyder from who was at the Navy Band at the time. So um, uh, had a great you know run there. Uh, and then I just decided I wanted to go uh, back and do my masters. It was something I always wanted to do uh, with the intention of of maybe pursuing college. Uh, and, and staying on and doing a, a, a doctorate as well or going to a different mm-hmm. school. And so I applied to Midwest schools because uh, most of my kind of uh, mentors and idols at Ithaca had Midwest degrees, Mark Fond or Stephen Beth Peterson, etc. And um, so I, I looked at, at Northwestern and Indiana and U of I, and I ultimately chose U of I because of the history and, and the tradition there and the marching band and, you know, everything about that place. And uh, so I was there for two years, uh, 06 to 08. And um, I was with Joe Manfredo uh, my first year in music ed while assisting in bands and doing uh, work with the Marching Illini and some of the concert bands. And then in my second year, I was uh, uh, given the position of TA in, in the band department uh, uh, with Mr. Keen and um, Barry Hauser and I actually shared an office uh, as TAs at the time. And um, I was with Pete Griffin and uh, Dan Neuenschwander. And, you know, so um, that was a really great experience, too. Another challenging experience just in different uh, levels. Um, and then uh, upon graduation, um, I, I should say while I was there, I was uh, sitting in the balcony watching all these great bands at Superstate and just wanting to be a part of that. You know, um, uh, we didn't have that kind of band culture where I was on the East Coast. There are certainly pockets of great bands uh, on the East Coast for sure. Um, but I just had never seen so many bands of that caliber um, in one place. So I decided to stay and see see what I could do here. And so I got my first job in Illinois uh, at a very small school um, in Westmont, which is a southwest suburb of, of Chicago. And there's only 500 kids in the high school, five, five and a quarter or something like this. And so we had a band of 60, one band, 9 through 12. 
and uh, and we did some nice things there too. Uh, you know, cultivated a nice culture and made you know super state and in, in single A, and um, really enjoyed my time there. I mean, it w- you got to know the families very well, uh, and it was also one of these programs where you got to to help in starting the kids in fifth grade. And um, so they got to know you and there was ownership and, you know, cultivating all of that uh, was was really rewarding. Um, And then I, you know, started applying to to some of the uh, larger schools um, and uh, and ultimately ended up here at Evanston. Um, And this is my eighth year now uh, at Evanston Township. And we've done, you know, a lot of great things already, but, uh, I still have, I still have a long time to go, which is, which I say is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so it's exciting to think about, you know, kind of where that, where this is going to go. It's interesting to, to hear where you started, where you went, where you're at now, because it seemed like there was nothing really tying you down, um, to, to New Jersey there. Yeah. I, I think I kind of just, you know, you maybe go to college and think you might meet someone that you want to settle down with, and that just didn't happen. And uh, and I didn't have the kind of high school program maybe that uh, exposed me to all of the, like, how far this thing can go, sure. you know, so I really just had no idea. Um, until I got to college and really until I started teaching and I saw the top end of it and I wasn't tied down, you know, romantically. And so, um, I just really dug in and focused on being a good teacher and, and, you know, I poured a lot of my own finances into, into the programs I was a part of when I was single, uh, In fact, you know, when my wife and I uh, first got together, you know, I was still paying off some of the uh, choices I made <laughs> to uh, to fund and, and and resource the programs I was a part of yeah. initially, for better or worse. I'm not I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. That was my path, and and ultimately, I think it turned out okay. I ended up in a really terrific program. Um, but I'm sure there's other ways to do that. Sure. But not even just tied down romantically. I know sometimes um, I'm thinking just as a, a new teacher, you know, starting out, what I'll hear a lot is, oh, I want high school or I want junior high or I want general music and I want it here in this 20-mile radius. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, we always say it's a small world, but it's also a big world too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's at least where we're at, there's 50 states here. Um, you know, and, and you, you hear stories sometimes of people not getting where they want to end up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then you realize, well, maybe if I would have went this route, you know, sure. it could have been a little bit different. And, and sometimes you, you say you have the romantic thing that maybe ties you down or you've got, you know, lo- love for your city or what's familiar or, or, or parents or things like that. Yeah. And I love my parents very much. And I have, yeah. a, I have a sister who lives in, in Boston and we, you know, we all try and get together a few times a yeah, year. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's not to say that I'm not tied down to them. Sure. What, what I can say, I guess, in contrast, Don, is that Illinois is a very big state and yeah. there's a lot of in-state schools that are very good and so people who want to stay here tend to go to those schools 
which then place them in good student teaching environments in the area where they ultimately want to end up. Yeah. The, the East Coast, the states are much smaller. Uh, they're much closer together, you know, and so um, you tend to leave your your state to go to a different school and. Um, we all know how hard it is to get back to where you are if yeah. you're not connected. Uh, and and ultimately, you know, there's a, a stigma in our profession, better or worse, that, you know, uh, you have to start at a certain place and work your way up. Mm-hmm. Or because you've been starting at this place, you can't work your way up because you don't have the skill set, which I think we can all admit is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so for better or worse, I just decided I, I, I'm going to go the high school route. This is what I'm passionate about. It's what I want to do. And I'm willing to, to do what I have to, to do that. And it was really hard at times, but I, but I just dug in and did it. Um, and I will say that, you know, the area that I started, while it was challenging, um, it was pretty transient in terms of the teacher population, very young teacher population. And and that led to a lot of us being very good friends. You know, I, I moved into a house with the girls basketball coach and the volleyball coach and the soccer coach. And so, you know, the, the four of us, you know, worked on the house together because one, one guy bought it and we, you know, my dad was an electrician. So I did all the lighting in the, in the basement. We finished the basement together and hung out and played video games on the side, you know. Um, you know, so there, I mean, there was, uh, there was something about it, you know, about that time and that chapter for me that, that kept me going, you know. And the positives, I think, sometimes that people don't think about is, is, you know, you, you hear about, oh, somebody went to this school and stayed there for 30 years. But on the other hand, uh, if you've worked in a few states or a few schools, you have a, a set of, of, of friends and a connection now to different places. Like you can go to many different places now and, mm-hmm. and feel comfortable and you've got those those great memories and, you know, even even some future connections that you can have with those people as well when you visit. For you, New Jersey, Boston, Maryland, Illinois. For sure. Probably countless other places too as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I will say, you know, um, because... As I said earlier, you know, uh, Illinois is a big state and a lot of folks go to school here and kind of come up through it and know the systems from going from high school to college and and back into the workforce. You know, I I had to reinvent myself here. You know, I I, I felt welcome here by others, but I was definitely an outsider. and, And what I did before I came here didn't matter. You know, I needed to... Uh, I needed to prove myself here in this environment and 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 produce results in in this area in order to gain credibility. Yeah. And and now looking back, having those those uh, you know data points from my my last life in Maryland or whatever matter. But you know initially you know um, and this isn't a knock on our profession. This is just what it is. You know you you, you need to rebuild. You need to reinvent yourself and. And start over and prove yourself yeah. and be ready and willing to, to do that. And and I wasn't, again, tied down. And, uh, you know, I was willing to dig in and, and kind of do what I needed to to move up the chain, you know. Mike Fisk, um, who was at uh, Joliet Township uh, before I got there, would always say that whenever you leave somebody uh, somewhere, all of your credibility is left behind. Hmm. I'm like, oh, that's daunting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk swimming real quick. Sure. I can't swim. <laughs> 
I have a book on swimming called Total Immersion. I haven't read it. Oh, yeah. No, we, I, I was trained in Total Immersion. Were you really? Yeah. So I have that book on my nightstand. It's still got a beautiful, perfect spine that's never it's never been opened. I'm scared to death of swimming. Um, I think equally, I don't want to drown, and I just don't want to take my shirt off in front of people. <laughs> um, so Alex Kaminsky comes out recently and works with the Joliet Band, and he said the people that really uh, <coughs> excuse me, have control over breathing are musicians and swimmers. Is that true? It's very different breathing, but yes. I uh, I actually even think that my playing took a little bit of a hit when I first uh, started really? swimming in college. Okay. Um, so I swam, you know, like I mentioned before, I, I, I was raised in a, a lake community. There were like five, six lakes in our community, and we would all swim against each other's lakes. We had our lake teams sure. and whatever. And so that was, that was kind of the summer thing. And then all winter, we didn't have a high school team at the time. They do now. Uh, but all winter, I would swim club and and do stroke clinics and things at at a local college uh william patterson in 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 newark or in patterson rather um and uh uh anyway so you know that was part of my upbringing but then you know i had mono as i started my freshman year Mm. and so i couldn't join the swim team i was just uh kind of recovering from all of that so i was a walk-on uh to the team as a sophomore and uh uh, with all of these guys that were much taller than me, uh, I'm five five, by the way, uh, <laughs> barely, and uh, much taller than me, and had been swimming year round in a in a far more competitive way, um, and I really worked my way up, um, uh, almost to the point where like just was when I was about to like kind of give up, everything just started clicking with me, you know, physically, and I, and I got a handle of it and became pretty good and a and a contributor. Uh, in Division Three on our on our team, um, I can tell you that my double and triple tonguing got very good. Okay. Uh, my professor <laughs> recommended he's like, "Hey, listen, you're spending all this time in the pool. How about you like do some inhalations and then as you're as you're exhaling, you just work on your double tonguing and your triple tonguing." And I tell the kids this all the time, so I would go. <gasps> You know, and, and practice that. And Are there just bubbles going everywhere rock. in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> Not really thinking about it, but, you know, yeah, I'm sure there were. Um, but you you breathe in a different way. You breathe more uh, shallow, actually, and take more breaths than you would uh, playing a, an instrument. And when you play an instrument, you're breathing deeper. Um, you have to have that air go for longer. Um, you get in a rhythm of breathing and, you know, so I, I was a backstroker. Um, I swam butterfly. And then in my, my junior year, coach made me into a distance swimmer. So I actually swam the the 500, the 1000 and the 1650, which is a mile. Uh, uh, and, and you just get in a rhythm when you're doing distance swimming. And so it, it, it doesn't quite, you know, transfer, uh, over to, to playing an instrument. But, but I will tell you, you know, I, I learned so much from, from swimming, um, you know, musically the double tonguing thing, but, um, you know, it gives you kind of some meditation time every sure. day. You're in the pool for four hours, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two in the morning, two in the afternoon and, uh, all of the team aspects and, and the coaching and, and all of this like really transferred well to, to what I do. I learned a lot from that that I'm still using. I'm sure the, the discipline and, you know, consistency with everything too. Yeah, for sure. With that. Um, so 
I'll, I'll make a little confession to you now. Let's switch gears a little bit. You sent me last year a recording of your band, and you were wanting people to make videos for your kids mm. um, of giving some feedback as you guys got ready for the National Concert Band Festival. Yep. And um, I, what I told you was I didn't have time for it. When I listened to it, I went, oh, my God, I have no feedback to give this guy. <laughs> <coughs> So as a friend, I say, oh, my gosh, kudos to you. Like the, the band here is it, it's insane. And I think last year I, I haven't kept up with your band a lot over the eight years that you've been here. But but last year I, I heard that. I'm like oh, another level. Yeah. So we had a special year. Thank you. And, and you and your kids. And I remember hearing that recording in the office. And I think I had a student teacher at that point, And they're like who's that? And I said, well, this is Evanston. I said, I have nothing to give them. Um, (laughs) So, so let's talk about how one, one gets there to, to that level. And, and, but let's, let's maybe if we can go and, and just talk about the rehearsal aspect of that, what's, what's a rehearsal outline look for you here at, at Evanston high school, um, maybe just typical one. We're in the the middle of a, a concert cycle or so, and after that, maybe we can talk about what it used to look like for you. Maybe mm-hmm. back in Maryland, maybe eight years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was different at all. Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into to answering that. I'll, I'll tell you that I focus a lot on our freshmen. Okay. Um, we made a decision maybe six, seven years ago. Um to take marching band out of the day and start concert band right away. And non-competitive program here or non- competitive? Non-competitive. Okay. We, we go to two contests, but we're, we're not going to compete. We're going to see other bands and, okay. and, and enjoy the top end of the activity and from a distance. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, <laughs> you know, enjoy the it. bus ride, get a hot dog, go perform for an audience. Yeah. Right. Reflect, get the feedback. Go and, and in fact, one of our favorite competitions is the, the NIU one because we'll go earlier in the day and do the stadium clinic and mm-hmm. have someone work with us for an hour in a stadium, you know, which they don't get to perform very often in. Sure. And, and then uh, and then do the performance and watch so many bands at that show, you know. So, um, I mean, that's our focus. Is, okay. is to entertain our audience. Uh, so we pick shows that are that are going to be uh, you know exciting for our student section and the parent generation. Uh, You're and, making uh, Steve Peterson real proud right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and we go and do it. I, I think we do the activity justice okay. for what we're trying to do. And we, you know, we revamped our uh, pregame show that hadn't been done in, in in a couple decades. You know, we make an E on the field. We run on like the U of I, and you know, the whole deal. Flip the tubas, you know, <laughs> um, and so we've we've really like found ourselves uh, uh, in, in the activity and are comfortable there. But so back to your question, you know, we um, we decided to take that out of the school day and just go to a one evening a week and do the Saturday thing um, for rehearsals, and uh, and that of course, you know, having a whole nother concert cycle to focus on, um, is huge. Mm -hmm. And that's made a big difference. We, we incubate our freshmen and a freshman only concert band. Okay. Our freshmen come to us from five different schools from the same district. Uh, additionally, we get transfer students. We get kids from private schools, um, like anywhere else. Um, uh, but, uh, but we get 60 to 70 freshmen a year. 
and incubate them uh, to, to build leaders out of our very best players to make that into a band family uh, and, and expose them to the culture that we want to create. Um, and, and of course, fundamentals, everyone talks about fundamentals and it's, and it's all about establishing those norms so that they get excited about wanting to be the best musicians they can be and, and you can make them the best musician musicians they can be. And then after that, they audition into the, the, this, uh, intermediate band, the symphonic band and, and our wind symphony in the fall. And they have opportunities to audition for our symphony orchestra and, you know, all these other things that happen. And so I, I think that, you know, program structure is super important and culture is super important. Mm -hmm. And and I agree that fundamentals are important. But if you don't have the first two things, the fundamentals are just like a, a sideshow. You know, it, it you need to uh, create the environment with which the students want to learn, you know. Um, and, and to sidestep then for a second, what does culture look like? here is is it uh based on the the history of the program or are there new things that may have been added you know student additions director additions over the past um eight years 10 years 50 years combination of both mm, i think it is a combination of both it's formulaic i think that there is uh you know, one of the things that's important to us is that our students know that there's a history here a deep history and um, the program has been around for a long time. It's going to continue for a long time after them. And we kind of inspire and charge our kids with, listen, you, you this experience is on loan to you for four years. Mm. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. It's yours. What do you want to do with it? Here's what we can do. Um, here's what's been done before. Here's the levels we've done them at. Um, and it's time to rise up and 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 do it and see where it goes, you know, and we don't rigidly define, you know, what it is we're going to do. Um, we set goals and certainly talk about things and get kids excited about it. But, um, but ultimately we just kind of like pretty organically move forward, you know, mm -hmm. with where we're going. So the, the history piece is, is certainly part of it, but the other part of it is just like connecting the kids and the various activities from freshman through senior year so that they could see what's possible. They start to imagine themselves in those roles. They hear the, the upperclassmen doing these great jazz solos or, you know, uh, playing like crazy concert band music and they they just want to do that they want to be the next person and do it their way you know put their thumbprint on it so um that's an environment that we're cultivating continuously um i think you're always transitioning mm -hmm. in in a program you know you're not trying to maintain you're trying to transition to that next phase that next level um so that's just something we're constantly focused on you know that's one of those things at the dinner table my wife's like hey you're staring off to space where'd you go <laughs> and i'm thinking about things like that yeah you know? um like what's next what what's that piece that i can do what's that you know sure so when it when it comes down to the rehearsal i plan everything out um i, I know how many rehearsals i have in a cycle I know how many minutes of instruction I have. I know, you know, what I want to do and where I want to get to by the end of each week. I know, you know, this needs to be ready by this. I know that I'm going to put an event on the calendar that seems really early for them to have a performance so that we rally and get a performance out there. Even if it's a, a B plus, A minus performance, 
you know, the cheek pinchers in our audience, you know, the parents and grandparents and whatever, you know, like they're, they're always going to think it's good. So um, I don't hesitate to get something out there early because it's going to rally the kids to, to do sure. some of the heavy lifting early in the process. And then you continue to refine. Um, I think one of the things I've learned in doing these conference performances or these big events, events, excuse me, these last few years is just the, um, how, how much our kids really need to perform in order to gain confidence performing. You know, they do a lot of rehearsing. All of, everyone yeah, does a lot of rehearsing. Yeah. But if you're a concert band, you're used to doing just a handful of performances a year. So doing more than a handful of performances really like raises their confidence level. And if those kids are also involved in marching band or also involved in jazz and, and doing performances and performances and performances, they just get really comfortable performing. And so um, we started a number of years ago, my colleague Mike Lehman at the time, uh, we started doing performances in the lobby of our school every Friday uh, with aspects of our jazz program. We have a rather large jazz program here, three big bands and six combos. So oh, wow. at one, one point, my predecessor even did 11 combos. <laughs> and then he was like, what am I doing? This is a little too much. Yeah. So pulled it back to nine. And then we, we kind of recalibrated at six. That's a comfortable number for us. And so every week, a different group is out in the lobby just playing, you know, as people come in. Um, and uh, and I often write them feedback after the performance, but they're getting out there and they're just playing a lot. And so that is that's been huge. Um, another kind of aspect to that. So rehearsal wise, then what are we looking at? Because this is what I'm always fascinated with the rehearsal looks like. I grew up in, in a place where we, we had private lessons at the time and it was very um there's a lot of digging in, but sometimes it was very meat and potatoes. Concert F, Remington, Bach Chorale 12, and get to the music. And go, yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> and that I know was my upbringing too. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's still that way in, in a lot of places. And if you can do that, cool. Um, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have to focus a lot on, on fundamentals sure. and things like that. So, so maybe what's that, I, I guess maybe that freshman rehearsal... Yeah, and I'll get into the Wind Symphony, too. I I mean, I I think what we ask our kids to do is ridiculous. I'll just say that. We have a 42-minute period, and we ask them to get their instruments out, you know, uh, get get to their seat in two (laughs) minutes, uh, and and then we we do a a warm-up that none of us as players would would call a warm up at, at in our home playing and yeah. then and then blow our faces off for for 35 minutes and put the horns away or whatever so um i'll just say like it's designed backwards you know even in a college setting you know like well let's talk about professionals they're going to show they're going to wake up in the morning they're going to get warmed up in their comfortable way to play their very best and make sure their instruments functioning they get to the to the rehearsal early they warm up more and then they play the you know two hour union rehearsal or whatever it is and, and you know and and do the concert you know there's a lot that goes into that to do it the right way and what we what we can do we're limited by time in a public school it's just impractical yeah and so um, I I teach my kids the uh, just to kind of do a smart two minute warm up we I don't want to hear the lick I don't want to hear the marching band tune I don't want to sure. hear you know high range exercises you know uh, l- let's be smart about it and 
um, while we're using this two minutes after the bell to get our instruments to get to your seat. You know, you should be blowing warm air through your instruments. You should be, you know, doing long tones. You should be buzzing. You should be stretching your face, you know, doing smart things uh, before we we collect as a group. And um, I have a countdown timer uh, that I put on the board. So as soon as the bell goes, I hit the countdown timer and it counts down from two minutes. And uh, at the end of that two minutes, uh, we immediately play a B-flat concert uh, just to calibrate the room and, and show <clears throat> excuse me, show that class is starting. Mm-hmm. And so the kids play a B-flat. And this is in freshman band. Um, and then we go through a series of warm-ups. Uh, uh, woodwinds are doing – we've written some exercises where the woodwinds are doing like chromatic scales or scales or repeated notes or articulation exercises – while the brass are doing um, lip slurs. And the, the first lip slur they do is very basic, and then we add on to it for lip slur number two, while the woodwinds again and percussion are doing you know some scalar stuff. Three and four are more complex mm-hmm. to the point where they're you know kind of by the end of freshman year, they're doing lip slur chromatic one, two, three, and four which is what I expect the wind symphony to do every day, you know, by the yeah. time, by the time they're there. So I'm 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 constantly realizing that I'm feeding myself, you know, in the top band. So so the things that I'm doing in freshman band are the things that I want our wind symphony to be able to plug and go on day 1, you know, the 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 start of the next year. So um, so we do a lot of scale and technique exercises. Uh, they learn all their majors. You know, second semester, we, we do all of the – a lot of reading, sight reading and, and uh, of, uh, of these scalar passages and, and exercises in this book called I Recommend. Um, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I remember – oh, my gosh. Frankly, you can use anything. Okay. But, but uh, the I Recommend book has like four or five exercises in every key. Key, uh, okay. uh, that that build up and are scaffolded pretty well, and so we test on that every Friday. You know, we learn a key a week sure. and test every Friday publicly. Uh, uh, you know, in front of the whole band, um, and that's something Mike Lehman again came up with. I learned a lot working with Mike Lehman. He's he's a brilliant guy, uh, and and really scaffolds well. Great analogies, um, just an excellent teacher, and so. Mike had this system where he would test the kids every Friday on the scale of the week. We would shred a scale every week. We built a scale routine, uh, going through each key and test every Friday. And we do three, four kids at a time. And it's enough where like it inspires the kids to, I mean, they, they have to play out even if they don't want to. And so you're not going down the line like old school one at a time where the yeah. kids are freaking out. They have the comfort of playing in, in a few kids, but it totally de-escalates their anxiety about being singled out. So it's not a thing. It becomes part of our culture to just hear kids sure. play. Um, and, and within the sections, cross room, any any combination, does that matter? Uh, usually within the section. Okay. Yeah, I'll go like, hey, let's hear first three flutes here. Okay, second row flutes. Let's hear U4, U5. I think I can see you all in sure. here. You know, and you could tell if a kid is, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's enough where, you know, it's out of five points in the grade book and, and they're playing out. And, uh, you know, we, we get the real results when we do our final exam because 
because they go into a room with a camera and they do all 12 scales. And, uh, and that's a real authentic assessment of do they know it or do they not, you know, but we're building that confidence to get there by doing that weekly scale test on in, in the fall semester, it's the major scales in the spring semester. It's the, I recommend, you mm-hmm. know, exercises that they're playing through with articulations and literacy and all that packed in. So, um, so that's the freshman experience. Um, are there days you don't get to music? Like, Oh, for sure. In the beginning, for sure. In the beginning. And, and I will tell you that we spend 15 or 20 minutes of our 40 in freshman band on fundamentals every day. Every day, without fail. That's not a lie. You can come and observe. Sure. <laughs> 15, 20 minutes, maybe sometimes 25. Hey, the last 10 minutes, let's switch to this piece, you know? And, um, you know, as you go through the year, you can do less of that as they buy in. And they're like, you're hearing like, I'm listening for triggers. I'm, I'm watching for social cues, you know, like, okay, we're having a really great day. Everyone is totally engaged. They're, they're locked in. I don't need to remind them to play with a good sound. I don't need to remind this, this student to do this or sit up tall or whatever that they're locked in. I'm hearing all, all the triggers. We can move on today. And I, and I, and I don't, you know, I don't make a big deal out of that or just like I'm I'm hearing it. Let's go. Um uh and and on other days I hang on it as long as I need to. Yeah. I mean it's it you need to make that point. You don't give an inch. You, you you have to establish who we are and what the bar is um with what you're trying to do. So the freshman experience is super important. Just super important so that you know, when they get to the wind symphony, the culture is there. They walk into the room, they want to play, they, they know how to warm up. They, you know, you can get to the music right away. You know, if, if we're going through lip slurs and chromatic scales and whatever the, the, the fundamentals are, and they are not locking in, I'll spend more time with them too on that, you know? Uh, but most days they're, they got it down and we're ready to get into it, you know? And so, um, because they know what they're doing and they're locked into it, we can we can tackle some of the more challenging music because there's time for it. You know, when I first started, there wasn't as much time for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had to be much more conservative on that on the music choice. Sure. So then, take us through the wind symphony rehearsal, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, in the beginning of a cycle where obviously we're, we're sight reading all of the tunes. Uh, and so, um, you know, we'll, we'll do more warming up at the beginning of the cycle, uh, and, uh, and then sight read the tunes. And I'll just make sure that I'm covering all of the ink, uh, on the first part of the, the cycle. Um, we tend to do sectionals strongly on the front end. I've got a colleague, Haley Nickel, who I co-teach all the classes with. Um, and, uh, we work in, in, in primary and supportive roles. So she supports me in the wind symphony and I support her as she takes the lead in, in the symphonic band. Um, and, uh, and so she's a woodwind person, she's a saxophonist. And so she'll take the woodwinds and I'll keep the, uh, brass with me and, and sometimes percussion as well. We have a a percussion instructor. We're fortunate to have a a very talented percussion instructor, Dave Eisenreich, who's been with us now, geez, four or five years. Um, and, uh, he's doing great work, um, does percussion ensemble music with the students, but then also we'll, we'll go over some of the techniques and band music, uh, uh, that we have going on. And so, um, we try and front, front load a lot of the heavy lifting, um, cause we don't ever want to run out of time. Right. I yeah. mean, 
Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll kind of make the call, you know, just, just hearing where the group is at and, you know, some of the more complicated, uh, uh, things that need to be explained from a conductor standpoint about, uh, meter changes and, and tempos and how all that stuff is, is connecting. Um, you know, we'll start in, in full rehearsal with me and kind of take notes on that and then divide and conquer and then come back and, um, you know, sometimes we'll have to make decisions about, you know, okay, let's take this down the octave or let's, let's only have a couple of people playing this or let's whatever, you know, like those, those types of details, especially as we're, you know, uh, getting past the, you know, second, third week mark of a four or five week cycle, mm -hmm. you know, something like this. Um, one of the things that we do though is that we do chair tests. We reseat the band every quarter. Okay. And uh, so we use material from the music we're playing. We use the first parts and uh, and the kids, you know, are tested on it. It's a grade uh, for better or worse. I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about that because, you know, your your seventh, eighth clarinet player is there because they're not the best person to play the first part. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but at the same time, you're hoping that your seventh or eighth clarinet player is, is hungry and wants to move up to that spot when that upperclassman graduates. And if they're not exposed to what is out there, you know, you kind of have the same sure. people. Or, you know, the other thing too with it is I think, I mean, hearing your band where your your top group's playing a lot of advanced level literature, you could also say, too, is, you know, think of it like the symphonies, part one, part two, and part three. They're all challenging. They're mm -hmm. all important. <laughs> right. Because I know once you, once you get to that, you know, I don't know if you're playing grade five, grade six music, like... I mean, there's some third clarinet parts and third trumpet oh, yeah. parts. You know, I, I think about a, a Hindemith piece where I'm trying to think, was it like a third trumpet part? That's that's hard. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And and listen, the, the seventh and eighth clarinet player, for since we're using this example, they, I mean, if they they deserve to be there, they yeah, earn yeah. the spot in the in the band. But what I'm saying is part of the. Um, you know, part of our work is the future. It's not just living in the now. And mm -hmm. so we, we need to, we need to build the band behind the band, you know? Uh, and so, you know, it is important to expose, you know, all the kids to what the, sure. the principal parts are, you know, and, and certainly your point is, is valid. There are some pieces that the, the third, fourth, fifth trumpet part, whatever it is, are, are really crazy too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and if you have the band to do that, great. Uh, you know, uh, do it this year. You yeah. know, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, you know, just in general, um, you know, that, that exposure I think is important. So, sure. you know, we reseat the bands every quarter and, uh, and expose them to, to that and that's part of it um so yeah I, I don't know how much demystification i could i could do here um uh it's not me being secretive it's just um it, i i know that and i listen to your podcast a lot it's i'm probably your first biggest fan well thank being, you i'll get t-shirts made for you and I. <laughs> that's being interviewed and as i said to you when you when you asked me to do this i thought you know it would be cool to be your 200th guest or something like this and not not so early on in the process where i haven't done as much as some of the other folks but um you know i hear a lot of folks not just on your podcast but in, just in general just really um 
you know, emphasizing the fundamentals, the harmony director, the the shredding of, you know, details and all of this. And and it's not to say that I don't do those things, but, sure. but I really emphasize um, the culture and the structure of the program and the momentum building and the uh, these types of things uh, and and try to get the students bought in, you know, because if it's just us doing the work and programming them, you know, um, my my college swim coach was good. Um, one of the things he was really good at was building great workouts. Uh, we always knew that what he put on the board was going to be great. But we had to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to look at each other in between breaks and push each other and say, hey, we got to do this. We got to get the time down. You're not making the interval. You know, you, 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 need to, you need to step it up. Like we were pushing each other. He drew it on the board and walked away. You know, it was us that did it. And I, I guess I just I really emphasize, you know, that our kids have to take ownership over, over the work, you know, and they have to like the music. They have to really want to do it, you know. Could, you know, not to further mystify it, could, as I'm listening to you, could the secret be that you find a system that works for your school, your students, your group, and then you're just consistent? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Is is that maybe the difference? Is the consistency thing? I I think, I think, you know, and I said this in in a recent presentation, I I think doing this is a lot like surfing. You know, you, you have to hone your technique of how to surf, but it's a lot about reading the water, okay. reading the waves and adapting in real time. You know, you, you have to know your kids. Like when I listen to music and choose the repertoire, I'm not just, you know, like I'm choosing good music and I'm choosing music that, that I like, you know, that, that I'm going to really be passionate about for a first concert cycle, but I'm seeing their faces in the, as I'm listening, and if I don't see their faces, I'm not I'm not programming it. You sure. Know? If I don't see the oh the two others oh, a strong tuba oh this is cool no I could see you know Glenn doing this on trombone I could see you know like you know so it, it's it's personalized to them to the group that's out there and I think that um, you know I think that's why it's working here you know like I, it, uh, it it is formulaic but it, but it's also highly personalized and. Um, well, it ties back into what you said you thought was one of the top two important things was the culture. Yeah. You know, this is this is our culture and culture mm-hmm. might not always be here's a mascot. Here's uh, our, our band pizza party. But culture might be the way you found out your your students have the most effective worth ac- work ethic mm-hmm. alone and together. Right. And, and I, I think, you know. Who knows if that's going to work two years from now, five years from now. But right now, that's really working. I I think, you know, I think you have to constantly adapt to the times and the climate and the culture of the the community as a whole, the building as a whole, the, you know, the whatever. And right now for these kids and this time, it's working. And and, um, I'm I'm hoping that I will be able to adapt yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I have 20 years left or something crazy. You know, like, I don't know. I, I hope that I will be able to adapt with the changing of the times and and still be effective in, in the way that I'm finding myself most effective right now. Sure. So then um, let's go on to talking about literature, which... I know for a lot of directors is the most exciting thing, but also the the bane of their existence mm. at, at times to try to you know figure out what works. Um, you know, 
let me bring this up. I, well, you and I were at a party once, and we were talking about, <laughs> and it was summer. It was like middle of summer, the most middle of summer you could get, hot out. We're at this party, and we start talking about literature, because that's what band people do. And you pulled out of your pocket a list. I think it was a typed list. Mm-hmm. Of here's what I'm thinking of, and I said, "All right, this guy's on another level." Um, <laughs> I had a lint and a quarter and a broken phone or something in there. So, so what does the literature selection process look like um, for you? Yeah, so for about a decade or or so, as long as Spotify's been around, I've been using Spotify, and um, uh, one of the things I got from Ithaca from Mark Fonder was themed concerts. Okay. And uh, my father was always into logic problems. He would buy a, lo- a book of logic problems and take it on vacation or be sitting there on the couch doing logic problems. And that never that never appealed to me. I was never very good <laughs> at that. Um, but I will tell you that the logic problem of putting together a concert with a theme that fits the group and has all the aspects of a, you know, this would be a nice opening. This is a nice middle tune. This mm-hmm. is, a, you know, this is a great closer. This fits the group. I hear, you know, again, the personalization of, you know, so and so the oboe player, so and so the English horn, you know, whatever. Um, I, for me, uh, for others, it might be like a waste of time or an added layer to something that's already complicated. For me, it is the thing that focuses my mind on what needs to happen. And so I, I, when I'm talking about themes and all this, I, uh, it, it's the top band. I, I wouldn't do that with the younger groups. Not to say that you couldn't. Sure. But the younger groups have the biggest swing in terms of their development. They, you know, some freshman groups develop slowly. Some are going really quickly. So I can't plan out a year with, with a freshman concert band. Cause I just don't know. That's interesting. Okay. Um, okay. W- w- with a, with a advanced group, you know, I, I kind of grab pieces and I, and I think it through in terms of where the group typically is in development. So, okay, this would be probably a good third cycle thing, or this would be a good second cycle or you know okay i'm going to start the year with a piece like this and build around it um you know they have more consistency as a as a top band and especially with some of these opportunities you know you come off it at an opportunity middle of the year and and the group is like firing on all cylinders and so you could do some more challenging stuff they want it they're ready you know um with the younger groups that you just don't know it's unpredictable and so um, for the advanced groups, it's all Spotify. It's me tossing stuff on on lists in themes that make sense, and I build playlists. I have playlists after playlists that are themes that are you know sometimes a theme is structured off of one piece that comes to mind. Sometimes it like instantly comes together as 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 three pieces that fit. Uh, sometimes I'm backwards fitting a theme to three pieces that that I want to do four pieces that I want to do. Um, occasionally, every once in a while, I'll say to the kids, here's, here's what these pieces are about. Help me come up with a theme. How can we tie this together? Um, uh, you know, sometimes the spring concert is a lot more eclectic and it's a looser theme. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things are hyper focused. Like we did a, a concert once, uh, Baroque and in debt. So, so music that was actually from the Baroque time period and then music that borrowed 
elements of baroque music but was written more recently and okay. and you know um and tying to that you know so that's a very specific you know uh thing so with the younger bands you know like everyone else i'm going to conferences i'm judging you know middle school uh contests or doing clinics i'm you know watching Ma- rachel maxwell's posts from her mm-hmm. you know what she's playing or what uh, you know, she'll usually take pictures of the program that they, uh, of the middle school festival that they do, uh, uh, in Naperville. And so I'm, I'm taking all that. I'm looking at the super state lists of what's been played historically, especially by middle school bands for our youngest, you know, freshman band. And, um, and I just, I, I do heavy listening and I, you know, only put on my list things that I think are of a high quality and I write notes to myself about it. And then as I get closer to each, you know, the end of each concert cycle, like we've already picked music for our next cycle in March for the March concert. Um, but we haven't picked stuff for May for our freshman and, and mm-hmm. symphonic band. But we, we chose the stuff for the, for the March concert before Thanksgiving break. You know, we would, you know, okay, here's where we're developing. This would be good. This, these are our strengths. Here's our weaknesses. You know, sometimes you pick music that you know is a home run and just fits the group really well. And sometimes you pick music on, yeah, this is really going to stretch them. And, th- yeah. and we need to pick this music to stretch them to get them to this next level. Um, so there's a lot of thought and in, in, intention there. Um, I will say that, you know, those of us that approach this as a hobby, as much as an occupation have an unfair advantage (laughs) because we're always listening. Like my, my top 10 Spotify tunes up until this year where the the little mermaid infiltrated uh, (laughs) the list because our two, two year old is way into it. Um, you know, all using the two year old as an excuse. That's okay. (laughs) Three of the 10, the rest of the 10 are, 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 uh, concert band music that we're playing, you know, that we have played in the last year, you know, on Spotify. And the thing about Spotify that's great is, you know, you build your lists and then it recommends stuff. It automatically just starts playing. And we played at Allstate at IMEC uh, two years ago, and two of the five pieces we played were Spotify recommendations, and okay. like obscure pieces that no one's ever heard before that were like really awesome. Yeah, and I got way into. Um, so um, I highly recommend it. You know, and and Apple Music does it too. I mean, any subscription service at this point is like you know working in a similar way. Um, sending you down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and, and which is cool. And sometimes it recommends weird things or, or things that don't fit and you just hit next or, you know, sometimes sure. it just doesn't work the way you want it to. But but I've been pretty lucky it, it, with it recommending some things that I never had heard of before that, that would be super cool to play. So, Are there any suggestions of pieces offhand that you can think of that, I don't know, maybe are, are not as well known? Um you know, and if I'm putting you on the spot, sorry. So, uh, yeah. So but, but like everybody knows the Grangers and the Holes. Yeah. What about, you know, some other things we might not know about? Um, so, uh, March for the Sultan Abdul Majid by Rossini is a, is a wonderful march that's not played very often. And we, we did it a few years ago and the group like really played it well. So you guys still play marches because I know do. there's some bands not 
We do. Not touching marches. And, and we'll do the Sousa stuff too, but <laughs> okay. I but I, you know, lately I've been doing marches that are off the beaten path. Yeah. Um we're uh I have programmed for May. I don't know if it'll like this is on my foresight. Who's who knows if it'll it'll happen, but um there's an Elgar march, uh March of the Mogul Emperors. Okay. Uh, and that's a march in three. Uh, uh, that's uh, really kind of sinister and and a, a cool. You know, I would call it a grade five at least um, uh, march. That's that's pretty cool. That's off the beaten path. Um, I I think uh, uh, one of my favorite pieces that I think is a gem is is Ito's Gloriosa. Okay. I think uh, just from a content and, and conception and the, the compositional ideas that he has in that in that piece are just really really well done. Um, Adam Gorb's Yiddish dances, I think, is a great piece that's not done mm-hmm. very often. Um, we did Savannah River Holiday, Ron Nelson. Um, a lot of a lot of high school bands do the Rocky Point. I see yeah. that coming around, but Savannah River isn't played very much, and I just love that piece. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much great music yeah. out there. There's so much, and and I'm glad that I have a lot of time left to <laughs> to, to do it. I I always get afraid of that because it sounds like a lot of time, but then you know if you if you ever do the math of, I got 20 years. We played how many pieces a year? I get scared because I'm like, that's only this many pieces. There. I agree with so. you. I, I I think I've already been here a third of the time of, as my predecessor. It like went by yeah. in a blink, yeah. you know. Um, so I agree with you, and I, I haven't repeated a lot of pieces okay. in in that eight years, but less than less than three, I would think, in in, in the top band uh, have been have been repeated. Um, I could probably name them, uh, but. Uh, um, you know, so I, I'm still continuing to try and push that envelope. And and lately, I've been doing a lot more new music, and I, I had shied away from that. But some of my my colleagues have pushed me to to explore the newer music um, because I was a lot more traditional in my tastes. Sure. Um, and you know, the the kids have responded. You know that. See, this is the thing: is that you know the kids like what you like. I, ultimately, at the end mm. of the day, they like what you like because you're way into it, and they, you know, and they they feed off of that, and so then they start to prefer the stuff that you put in front of them to play because this is what I'm pushing out to them in Spotify playlists to listen to, and they start listening to it and they enjoy it, you know. Um, but they've liked the new stuff too. Uh, when we've done the Michael Doherty pieces or the John Mackey pieces, they've really enjoyed that. Um, as much as they like, uh, first cycle this year, uh, we did strange humors by John Mackey. Uh, we did mothership by Mason Bates. Um, and, and they really liked that stuff. And then this cycle, we're doing all transcriptions. We're doing Tam O'Shanter, Pines of the Appian Way, and Spoon River uh, on this concert. And next cycle, we're doing all music by Omar Thomas, and he's coming out oh, okay. uh, to, cool. to work with the band for a few days in residence. Um, and then the end of the year, it's looking like we're going to go old school again. So I, you know, (laughs) so we're just kind of all over the map, but, um, but, uh, I think that's, that's one of those things that they, you know, our students like, if you're way into what you're, what you're playing, you know, the kids start to prefer that and they start to listen more to, to the stuff that, that they're playing. They enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, let's do a couple more. Let's go personal. Then we'll bring it back to, um, some Evanston history here and, okay. and maybe end with some, some goals that you might have. Uh, personal standpoint, you've got three children. Yeah. And you and your wife both work. 
My my Work. wife now stays home. She, okay. Uh, okay. She she was an orchestra teacher. She actually a convert. She went to the dark side. She was a a, a percussionist and a, okay. and a band person, and uh, and taught orchestra in Downers Grove for five years uh, uh, before we started having kids. And um and I think she was a really effective orchestra teacher because she brought a lot of the cultural things that sure. we do in bands to the orchestra world that they don't typically do. Yeah. Um and and that was one of the things that made her really effective. And and um, but now she's she's home with our kids and she's way into that and and is very intentional about how she's raising them and is doing a great job and we've got three wonderful kids Theo's four and a half uh, Marilyn is two and a half a little more two and three quarters and uh, and then we have a five month old baby Jackson at okay home. all right and and how does how does this look at home then if you don't mind me asking does does band uh come into play at home does it in fact home um <laughs> uh kind of you know um we i mean we have all the instruments in the house okay uh, we have like kid kid you know level instruments and then we have a cornet that's set up for them to play with we have a, a kid size violin and you know all stuff that we've just like acquired as a as a musical family over the years um my wife and i actually for a time played in a rock band together up until recently <laughs> uh, uh so that you know we bring the kids to the shows and my, my parents or her parents would hold the kids and you know <laughs> watching mommy and daddy on stage rock out and uh, my wife played bass in that band and i played guitar and uh um and there are I mean, uh, she brings them to basketball games and they're wearing their wild kit shirts sure. and, and watching and, and they're they're coming to football games. And we, uh, you know, the school and I know we'll talk about the school in a minute, but this is the largest public high school under one roof in the United States. OK, so we literally have to rent a truck to to go to the football game and we parade it's almost a mile it's nine tenths of a mile from the band room door to the field and so every friday when we have a game a home game uh we rent trucks to bring our equipment and we parade down the street and people come out of their houses and you know cheer along and and my kids are there with us you know marching into the stadium and that's that's a lot of fun you know, for all of us, it's fun for me to have them there. It's fun for them to be there. Mm-hmm. And my daughter really likes Willie the Wild Kid, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, who's uh, our mascot and is in, in his in his thing and, you know, uh, cheering on the band. Um, so, you know, the band is definitely a part of our family because, you know, uh, my wife is very intentional about bringing the kids to the school and being around sure. it all. And uh, admittedly, I'm, you know, singing a baby to sleep, uh, you know, singing Handel in the Strand or, yeah, yeah. you know, playing playing band music on my iPhone uh, or, or a household speaker. And kids are like, is that daddy's band? You know, I'm always listening. I do Persa Caddy and then my kids just scream themselves to sleep. <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> so is so then let me ask you this. And, and, and this is not meant to be offensive, but is there a work life balance? Then and then I guess the next question would be like it kind of sounds like you don't always think of it as as work. You mentioned mm-hmm. the hobby thing, you know, earlier. Right. Um, I, I I think um, I, I have to be honest. I I I work a lot of hours yeah. and and at times that is to the expense of of the family. And you know we have certain 
pockets of the year that are really pretty pretty awful in terms of hours gone yeah um, uh, and we have calendar meetings in my house <laughs> my wife and I and go over the calendar and and I think you know my wife has said uh, uh, you know recently especially the last two years have been crazy because I finished a, a second master's um, while Marilyn was was just a baby she was just born and I started classes and and was doing the weekly thing and writing papers and doing whatever and um, you know, but that was, it was a tough time, but it was the right decision to do it, you know, then, mm -hmm. you know, we're glad it's done. Um, you know, my wife has commented that, you know, she can see that I'm making decisions to scale back when I can and to step away from things when I can, uh, but also understands that, you know, this is a huge undertaking. This is one of the larger programs. And so there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of things that I oversee. And um, it's actually a really uh, challenging job to um, uh, to to kind of oversee all these private lesson teachers mm -hmm. and color guard coaches and percussion ensemble coach and the flute choir coach and the whatever I mean there, there's a lot of things always going on um, so to oversee all of that and be able to take a phone call and say okay you got to go and get the mini bus and this is how to do it yeah and step aside from the kids when I'm home or whatever you know it, there's a lot that goes into it um, so I, I don't I don't think that I have a balance. I think that um, I am constantly working at the formula that works for us that we can live with. Sure. And I'm making choices when I am provided with choices to be home. I could tell you that uh, Jackson was uh, came in, in July, our youngest, and uh, I haven't been out socially since he was born. And, yeah. and so I just make the choice that I'm not going to that's, – that's where I'm going to cut back right now. I'm not going to – I'm not going to go to this hockey game. I'm not going to, mm -hmm. you know, go to the Cubs game this weekend or, or go out, you know, for drinks with someone because I, I need to be home because it's, because I'm not going to be home for work these other nights. Yeah. So those are, those are choices I make. I wish I had a better answer for you. I, I wish I could tell <laughs> no, you. No, it's, and, a, and you know where I come from with that too, yeah. where, you know, I mean, some of that's of course for our listeners, but for me, it's, it's always trying to figure out you know it's it's that balance which mm -hmm. you know there's there's of course the fear of missing out there's the fear of well if i do this it's going to be better for the program but um the programs are also uh, very jealous all the time and they <laughs> they want more time and more time and more time, right but, right you know than it is at the expense mm -hmm. of, of home and, uh, and i do think about that of course with my my home situation too i'm like oh my god here's another here's another night you know yeah yep. i don't know if you're like me but sometimes i'll go home sometimes feeling guilty too where i'm like we had this great experience tonight and it's like well that's great but we've got just the normal undertakings of any family right here's dinner here's the transportation here's the that's homework. right here's, here's we're not there yet i mean we have different challenges because our kids are young but i but sure. i imagine what that looks like and and we'll have to adapt and make some changes as, as we move forward and there, there become transportation issues and, and sure. getting the kids around here's it. what it looks like every saturday so we have five kids and the baby doesn't eat much solid foods yet. maybe sure. an avocado or something yeah every saturday 18 eggs Oh my goodness! 
Well, when when you made that post, about, first of all, it was hysterical uh, how your how your last child came into the world and how you described it on Facebook. And they still charged and, us too. I delivered the baby. They, they still charged us. We couldn't get out of that bill. Right, and then and then you said, you know, family of seven, gratuity included. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, I mean. Well, and you'll get you'll get that with three, or maybe if you haven't, where you go out to eat and people go, "Oh, okay, we got a seat next for you guys next to the boiler room over here." Go all yeah, the way right. to the back. Cause, yeah. <laughs> well, we wouldn't have it any other way, but yeah. but it certainly has its challenges. Well, and I think there are positives though too. Where yeah, I you know it was great to hear you're like, listen, we bring the kids to the games. I mean, to uh, to. To talk about the cons of it is one thing, but I also think to think about the pros of like, listen, my kids got to grow up in an, in an environment that was was positive. There's there's music going on. They're getting to see. I mean, how many how many kids get to go with their parents to work? Mm-hmm. You know, I brought right. my daughter to pep band the other night. She's in fifth grade, beginning band. Brought her flute. She didn't play one note. She can't play the pep band music stuff. Right? She's been in band six months. But she left and she's like, I got to hang out with high schoolers, watch this game, be a part of something. I got to see my dad working. Yeah, know? that's that's super cool. So, you know, that's the cool part about it. So good, good to hear all of that. Um, well, let's talk real quick then. I know you're in a historical program here. Do you have like a, a brief history of either Evanston Township High School or the band or both that you'd like to share? Notable yeah. alumni, things like that. Sure. Uh, I mean, um, the... The school as a, an entity was founded in the 1880s and um, had two other uh, campuses or buildings before uh, they bought the land here on Dodge Avenue. Um, with incredible foresight, they, they bought a huge plot of land and uh, built um, a considerable structure initially and then added onto it over time as the population boom uh, happened. Um, at one point they even tried, I mean, they attached four buildings to the original building and tried doing a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior building idea for a while with, um, electives and the, uh, added on fine arts wing and, and, uh, PE and sports and the, in the PE wing. Um, and then, you know, they restructured to be by departments, you know, more or less, uh, as as time progressed um it's a huge school uh uh, largest public high school under one roof in the united states and uh we have three and a half miles of hallways and a five minute passing period so those of you listening and your kids that can't make it to class just tell them like we do it so um yeah, I mean it's it's in, it's an incredible place. Uh, we've got uh, over twelve gyms, uh, two pools, um, uh, a planetarium, an arboretum, uh, an edible acre uh, where we grow you know some of our own food that we're using in the cafeteria. Uh, that that's done through a class. We've got a greenhouse. Mm. You know, there's all these courtyards and. You know, uh, a historic central library. We have uh, two working fireplaces in the uh, lobby, gas fireplaces. There's a, a working fireplace in the faculty lounge. I mean, some of these old things that are just like, who had the foresight to, to yeah. think of this? We we have a giant auditorium, um, not just, uh, you know, the 1,300 seats, but... Um, but it, it it's so wide and so deep, and it's got a pipe organ built into oh it. Um, 
we have an upstairs theater that seats 300 and a little theater that's kind of a recital hall and small plays that, that seats about 100 kids or 100 people. And, you know, so they just they had such foresight in planning all of this. We have a power plant across the street that generates the power for uh, the school and uh, um, an irrigation system that recycles rainwater, you know, like just these things that they were smart about and making yeah. an investment in, in, in having this exist. And it's only, it's the only high school in the city of Evanston. There's like 80,000 people in the city of Evanston. So everyone that, that's attending a public high school comes here. Uh, so all those resources are in one, mm-hmm. you know, location diverted to one location. So. And the student population, you know, some people, I think when they think Evanston, they think um, maybe a little wealthier and here's a, here's a college town, but aren't you guys at, it's like 40, 50% low income or so. Uh, for sure. And in terms of our diversity, we're, we're a minority majority school. Yeah. So uh, I think the, the, the white population is actually 40% or something okay. like this. And, uh, or maybe it's, uh, I'm, I'm not good with numbers, but, sure, but sure. we're uh, in re- retaining that <laughs> specificity. But um, but for sure, uh, and, and that provides you know some very worthwhile and great challenges. Uh, but they're you know really challenging challenges um, in in making that work in um, in in a school like this. Mm-hmm. So as we get to the end here. Um, oh, you know, maybe you mentioned earlier, maybe some famous or notable alums, by the way, from Evanston. I'm oh, always, sure. I'm always fascinated by these uh, things, too. Yeah. Uh, so I think everyone, I'll start with the ones everyone knows. Uh, Jeremy Piven, uh, actor. Uh, Joan Cusack, uh, actor. If you watch Workaholics, Anders Holm, mm-hmm. uh, uh, actor. Uh, Jesse Mueller as a Tony Award-winning actress, uh, class of 2001. And then Ian Weinberger is a Broadway conductor. He conducts Hamilton. Oh my goodness! Uh, class of uh, 2005. Um, in terms of the music scene, we've got uh, Ethan Bensdorf, who plays trumpet in the New York Philharmonic, class of uh, 2003. Uh, David Cohen, uh, trumpet with the uh, Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. Uh, let's see. Uh, from the jazz standpoint, uh, Junior Mance, jazz pianist, uh, class of 45. Bob, Bob Cranshaw. Jazz bassist, class of '52, um, uh, lot, lots of folks just uh, have come through uh, this place and and gone on to do you know great things and be be well known for for their craft. So yeah, well, good job to Evanston. For- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's one of those things that um, you know they came through here. Certainly, I think the program had played a role in cultivating their experience, but. Um, I, I can't say that we produced. Sure. <laughs> well, but when you think about it too, especially in the arts, you know, I mean, the the big festivals and all that stuff, they're great, right? But at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, I look at it as like, here's the opportunities mm-hmm. that we're, you know, and sometimes an opportunity is just, here's a, a theater festival that we host here at the school. Sometimes it's, here's this out of state trip that we're doing you know mm-hmm. and, and for some kids somewhere that's just going to light up like oh my gosh this experience changed me and this is where i need to yeah. go now so yeah for sure very cool so as we end here what um you got 20 years left what are some some goals you can think of for yourself and for the program uh well i don't know i 
uh, I think it's important that the program develops a well-roundedness uh, and and doesn't have just this one thing that's built around me and my uh, my talents or mm-hmm. or focus. And so, I, I as uh, as we move forward, you know, I, I was a euphonium player. Um, I played bass in high school jazz band, but we we played like if this is it. Sure. <laughs> Lewis in the news and let it be by the Beatles. I would I wouldn't say I had a, a really great jazz um, exposure. You know, I really learned jazz by being in the hot seat and, and having to figure it out, which which is how we learned so many things. I think in this profession, there's only four years of college and you gotta you gotta learn it all. Um, so I've I've recently been trying to really stretch myself with with jazz and um, and so I know that we're going to try to apply to to some conferences with the jazz ensemble. It's it's really happening this year and we've got a special group uh, returning. So I, I think that that's something that we're gonna we're gonna shoot for. Um, I, I go back and forth about the the Midwest Clinic with our Wind Symphony um, for a number of reasons, philosophical and otherwise, um, yeah. because of what what you need to do to to get in. You got you kind of have to shift your gears to prepare, you know, for that application process in order to be ready to lay down you know a really great take in February or whatever it is, and that that takes shifting priorities. Um, not only for the year you apply uh, or every year you apply because the odds are low, uh, but then once you get in, you got to shift priorities again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so it kind of takes two, two to three years of your well, whatever. I mean, you know, it could take us a million well, true, years. We could know, infinite and never get in. You know, so um, I meant just the process itself, the yeah, application, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about that, but I, I certainly it keeps coming up as a, as a. Uh, potential, you know, opportunity to shoot for. Um, I'd like to see our marching band do, you know, like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or something fun like that. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that's a that's a, a shot for a, a or you know, it's a, a challenge for a non-competitive group like us that mm-hmm. um, is not out there doing that all the time. But um, with the right planning, you know, we could have a shot at something like that one day. I don't know, just some some of these like neat opportunities that. Um, you know, speak to the interests of every kid in our program. Yeah. You know, like we have so many kids in our, in our program. Um, and not everyone is going to make the wind symphony or the top jazz ensemble, you know, so what things are we doing to, um, explore their interests and, 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 you know, uh, kind of speak to every alum, you know, mm-hmm. out there, uh, that, that had an affinity for what, what they did here in, in the program, you know, and what sort of things are we doing to, uh, maximize, you know, those experiences. So just, you know, continuing to think about, you know, those more global things. All right. Well, Matt, thanks so much for coming out here this morning well, taking thanks time for away here. and uh certainly appreciate this and uh hoping to see you again soon besides just band events here. yeah sounds good <laughs> thanks man <Matt. laughs>